0: Thank you for tuning in to the Afternoon Pint Podcast. Our show will start right after these messages from our sponsors. Hey Matt, we're thinking of selling our home and finding a bigger place. Oh really? I thought you guys loved where you lived. Oh we do. Our family is just growing. With pets. A dog, a cat, two guinea pigs, a hamster. And you're planning on getting more? Eh, Maybe
1: a goat or a crocodile.
0: Well I have the person for you. Kimia Nijat is an experienced real estate agent who prides herself in finding the perfect home for her clients. We're just browsing now. I'm not sure if we really need a realtor yet. Yeah, no worries. Kimia can help you with the comparative market analysis to help you determine the value of your home if you're planning on selling, or help you determine the going rate for the neighborhood you're moving into. She can also work at your pace. Awesome. All right, I'll give her a shot. What's her phone number? On Facebook, Kimia Nijat is... Exit Realty Metro, her phone number is 902-880-8429. And her email is kimia at exitmetro.ca. 902-880-8429. Awesome. Thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Dan Lomas at L-O-M-A-S, of Lomas Are you a small business owner who wants to keep more of your hard-earned profits and pay less taxes to the CRA? Do you want to plan for a comfortable and secure retirement? If your answer is yes, then you need to talk to Dan Lomas at Lomas Financial. Dan Lomas is a financial advisor who has been helping successful entrepreneurs and business owners for over two and a half decades. He utilizes customized solutions that can help you keep your earnings dramatically reducing passive income tax. Dan Lomas and his team will help you transition corporate wealth into personal wealth by utilizing customized executive pension plans. Dan will show you how to convert business wealth into personal wealth in a professional manner. Don't let the CRA take more money than they deserve. Don't let your retirement dreams fade away. Contact Dan Lomas today and let him guide you on your path to financial success. Visit Dan Lomas at lomasfinancial.ca or call him direct at 902-209-0855. That's 902-209-0855. This is Matt Conrad. And this is Mike Tobin. Welcome to the Afternoon Pint. Andrea Menard is an award-winning actor and singer-songwriter, public speaker, and a top leader in feminine leadership. Andrea is a proud member of the Métis Nation of Canada. We encourage you to go to AndreaMenard.com to learn more about her, and visit the section titled "Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge" if you would like to check out more about some of her wellness programs.
1: Enjoy. All right,
0: cheers! 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 All right. So uh, this is Matt Conrad for the afternoon pint. Uh, Mike Tobin is not here. He is—he's uh, ill. <laughs> so uh, we have to do this one alone, which is uh, sorry for him, um, but. We have Andrea here, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, Actually, what I want to do, what I want to start off with, is you have a couple traditional names. So Mm -hmm. I'd like you to introduce yourself with all of your names, please.
1: Well, usually I introduce myself, yeah, in the way I was taught. So, Tanchi Kiwao, hello everyone. Andrea Menard, Dishnikashon. Not the way you did, Dishnikashon. And Ninjkotekwe. Uh, I'm a proud Metis woman from Treaty One territory in the homeland of the Metis, and currently living in the unceded traditional territory of the Squamish, the Tsleil and the Musqueam people, also known as Vancouver. But I'm visiting in the beautiful Mi'kma'ki. Um, for four months while I'm shooting a TV series, so I'm really honored to be here.
0: Yeah, no, we're very happy to have you. And and actually, um, you're here recording. So I mean, we can dive right into that. Obviously, you're here recording uh, Sullivan's Crossing. So yeah. uh, obviously, a big deal. Um, <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the show seems to be quite a hit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people are just jumping on it. Everyone in Nova Scotia is excited about it. Yeah. It's now. It, it's been. Uh, broadcast into the u.s now yeah I yeah yeah I, I just figured that one out because um uh your your co-star chad michael murray uh which many people would be familiar with um he was promoting it and so people were kind of uh jumping down his throat a little bit about because of the strike but the strike is not in canada so yeah, yeah exactly. why don't you give a for anyone who hasn't seen it, I will admit I've only seen the first episode. Yeah. Uh, but why don't you give a you know kind of a rundown of what the show is okay. about? Okay.
1: Well, you know, to me, it's a it's a it's a family show. You know, it's a romance show. Um, it's a story. It's a story about a community, really, about yeah. a woman um, originally from small town Nova Scotia who becomes a big, you know, star surgeon, neurosurgeon in Boston. But circumstances bring her home, mm. and of course, there's. There's love and potential love and this. And, and I play a character. So Sully S- uh, Sullivan's Crossing is basically Sully Sullivan is yeah. the, the, the p- patriarch of the community. and Tom, That's Scott Patterson, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and uh, Tom Jackson and I are the aunt and uncle of the community. We're the yeah. indigenous characters. Although we're not pretending to be Mi'kmaq people even though we're on Mi'kmaq territory. We're 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 both from the prairies. We're not pretending to be anybody else but who we are. I'm yeah. Metis, he's Cree. So we're we're Metis and Cree couple from the prairies who have been friends with Sally a long, long long time and right. and are part of this community. And so when when the daughter comes home it's like a huge reunion, but there's some things that everyone has to work out. So it's, you know, there's some things that have to work out.
0: Yeah. And, and so you, since you kind of mentioned, we can talk a little bit about it because Tom Jackson, obviously, um, I think anyone who grew up in Canada in like the you oh, know, he's 80s, legend. 90s, yeah. absolute legend. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Just everybody knows. And you, you were saying beforehand that you've known him quite a quite You know, like two decades or something like
1: that. Yeah, we go way back. In fact, you know, the Huron Carol, people will know him because he toured with big, big, you know, um, stars and and musicians all across the country, you know? And, And about 20 years ago, he decided to do. Um, a, a smaller version because the show kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And the the money that was supposed to be raised for the food banks got less and less and less because of the overhead. So 20 years ago, I was on his last big um, Huron Carol with them. And oh, wow. it's a 20-year anniversary this year. We couldn't believe it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone wants to kind of uh, to listen in on that, how would they have the ability to listen in on like when's that coming up when you what? know when that's uh, the the 20th anniversary well Did, i don't they think it's special? i don't
1: know if it's going to be a 20th nope? anniversary okay. i know it's going to be a fundraiser and it's going to be that's on fun. um on tv and i don't have okay. all the information yet so hopefully we'll by the time <laughs> you know, this airs we can get some information yeah because yeah, hmm.
0: that would be cool so uh so obviously uh you know, Big Show coming on here. Um, what really kind of drew you toward this particular show, uh, and what? Yeah, how did you? How did you audition? How did you find out? Like, you know, what? How did you get here? Kind of. Well,
1: you know, it's a typical. Uh, well, maybe it's not a typical story because um, there's. I've been in the business long enough. For, yeah. To watch the. <laughs> What, what do you call it, the the cycles right. of interest and, and lack of interest of Indigenous people and in representation on screens. Right. So when I first joined the union and was a part of the community of acting, there were it was a sort of a renaissance of Indigenous storytelling because APTN first came on yep. board. For people who don't know what it, it's the Aboriginal, people, Aboriginal People's Television Network. And so all of a sudden, there was a place for Indigenous voices and stories to be heard, but told by Indigenous um, uh, people, yeah. meaning directors, writers, right, producers, yeah. actors. And we all sort of developed our chops during that time because we were getting leads, we were getting our yeah. own stories, we were all of a sudden not the, you know, stereotypical role at the back of it, right. you know we were playing leads and strong characters and we were being written with juicy fullness and so anyway, I've been in this business long enough where I watched, that um sort of A wave of interest by the networks of Indigenous storytelling and stories, and then it waning. As though one casting person actually told me, Oh, Indigenous people are out. Oh, really? Literally had the gall to say that. Didn't say Indigenous people, though. (laughs) You know, they're out. He literally said they're out. (laughs) It's like, well, not in indigenous territory. Uh, (laughs) No, no, they're not. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, you know, I've I've been, I have had some frustration, obviously, and and like unlike some people, because I'm a singer as well, and because I'm a speaker as well, I would tend to back out of the 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 grind. Whereas other people who are in this business only, that's their job, right? So they sort of stayed in and transformed it, probably more more than I did a little bit. So. When it came around to this new wave of interest in indigenous people, uh, you know, I was sort of, oh, really? You didn't see me a month ago, but all of a sudden you want to see me now? So I was a little, you know, jaded. And I had uh, had a talk with my agent saying, you know, I'm a little... I don't, I'm a little jaded and I need, I need your help. Like you have to yeah, okay. intuitively say no to the projects that just wouldn't feel right. And and if, if you feel like there's one for me, then bring it across the desk. Right. And this Sullivan's Crossing was one of those ones that they brought across the desk. And, and I think also is that people, we'd all been just been through isolation and COVID. And, and I had went from... Doing my new moon circles and ceremonies and stuff in private to going online and helping people because so many people were struggling and I and mm. you know I wanted to be a source of light and love you know right. and and yes I my guitarist lived two provinces over I couldn't I couldn't gig right. even in the same bubble we couldn't bubble together and you can't it's really hard to gig over Zoom
0: <laughs> yes it is
1: so that wasn't great um, and I wasn't acting I wasn't doing what I normally did to bring my contribution to the world so um, so when I started bringing these these uplifting ceremonies and circles and, and, and those kind of things to the world it felt really gratifying and it felt like no if I'm to be of service you know just let me be of service in however way I can but because I haven't performed in so long I thought well maybe that's leaving my life maybe that's yeah. leaving. <laughs> to the next (laughs) scene (laughs) Um, so Sullivan's Crossing had this character who was sort of positive influence and I didn't know Tom Jackson was attached I didn't know anything but I liked these characters she was a positive auntie you yes. know, in the indigenous yeah, yeah, yeah. community, the auntie is like a strong, love, beloved. Yeah, in many, cultures, right? yeah, yeah in many cultures, right? Right? Yeah, many cultures.
0: They're looked at with like you know, there's a certain respect that they have, and yeah. they you know they can pass on some wisdom, and they can be there, yeah. that, like a motherly figure, but not motherly. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well,
1: and and she's um, and and she's not just a blood auntie. She's like the adopted auntie. Right. and, she's, and, and in a way, I'm the matriarch of the community because there isn't. Um, Sully's not married, and, right. you know, so I'm that matriarch of the community. Right. So I really liked that aspect and that, you know, it wasn't a serial killer in the, you know what I mean?
0: Like, right. yay,
1: it had some, you know, some easygoing problems, you know? Right.
0: Well, it's funny, so you say serial killer, because so, so um, when, I, when I was first kind of introduced to who you were and all this stuff, I started doing some research and everything, and I remember uh, seeing your picture. I went on your website and seeing your picture and everything, and I was just like... Wow, she looks familiar, and I couldn't <laughs> quite place it, and it was driving me insane. So I was like, I gotta find this, like where I know her from, and I should have almost known because this, the, it's pretty much almost always the answer of, I know that person, but where? Yeah, supernatural. Oh no way! <laughs> and that's actually what popped up because I'm a huge supernatural fan, oh. and I was like, as soon as I was looking through like your like your uh, filmography and everything, I was like, oh my! As soon as I saw, supernatural, I was like, yes, that's yes, I know. It. I was like, yes, that's where I know we're from because. It seems to be like that where I'm like, look, I'll see an it's actor. It's got to be a TV, right? Something,
1: something. Well, it
0: has to be something, but also Supernatural. And it's like, it's happened to me like at least a couple, like a few times, more than a handful of times where I'm like, <laughs> I know them from somewhere. And then I'll look up, find out what their name is and I'll look them up on Wikipedia and I'll be like, Supernatural, I should have just knew this anyway.
1: <laughs> my show.
0: It's, it, yeah, it's a show I love. So it's, it's kind of cool because you were on a show uh, with um, uh, um, Scott Patterson. Who was on with Jared Padalecki and everything? So there's a whole full circle. You guys have this tight community there, obviously. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so anyway, that's how I, I love it. Like triggered in my head. I love so it. It yeah. was cool, and you had a great role. Like you, yeah. like you're the
1: yeah. But if you're yeah. if you're a supernatural fan, then you know I was told the truth and didn't die at the end.
0: Right. That's exactly. a huge deal. It is a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So you you get to be like you know this kind of like badass cop who yeah. gets to you who. saw the truth and interacts with the devil's son yep Right, so yep. it was. No, it was. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't
1: was, die at the end. And didn't they always die. Because <laughs>
0: they, they, yeah, they very rarely. They kill us off, I know. Most times, the other, the other, actually, one other was, um, uh, was a, another woman cop who yep. got to stay for a f- couple seasons. I know. I'm like, geez, yeah.
1: if they would have kept going, maybe I would have come back.
0: Maybe that's true. And yeah, so anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm a huge uh, cool. Supernatural fan. So when I was talking to my co-host, I was like, she was on Supernatural. So yeah. <laughs> anyway. That being said, so, yeah, so you're talking about, like, healing and things like that. So, um, you do have, I know, like, so, really what you are is singer, songwriter, actress, speaker, wellness trainer. And what I thought was really interesting and that I'd really like to have some conversations with is the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge.
1: Yeah. Like and I did some research.
0: It. You have six offerings on there. <laughs> So, why don't you talk a little bit about those? Because I think that's pretty interesting stuff.
1: Okay, well, the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge is the place that I put this new passion. You know, I, when you when you said all those things, I always say to people, oh, yeah, okay, I'm a Métis medicine wheel. You know, yeah. I'm an actor, I'm a singer, I'm a writer, and I'm a messenger or speaker or trainer. Yeah. And But when the day I discovered the center point of that medicine wheel, was when everything sort of made sense. Okay. And I like to say that I'm a facilitator of the rise of the sacred feminine. Now, what does that mean exactly? Right? Yeah. So, according to my elders, we're in a time where um, humanity is finding its way back to center. Okay. And that means that in, especially in the non-Indigenous Western way of looking at the world it's considered a backwards way in many ways mm-hmm. where we've lost uh, the connection with the earth right? the source of all uh, wellness right, right? we have forgotten our interconnectedness to each other and to every living being Yep. from the stars down to the microbes to the COVIDs you know like the little tiny things <laughs> yeah. we're, we're interconnected and we yeah. can't ever separate it and that, and that there's um, there's a deep, deep respect for life givers, for women, for children, and and again, everything feminine in this world has been devalued, and right. it, and that doesn't mean women necessarily. It, I mean, it is obviously, but it's yeah. the the feminine within every human being, all the right. feminine, like nurturing. Men have suffered just as much as women have because the feminine. Uh, aspect of life has is devalued in this western way of looking at the world. Right, right, yeah. So to me when I heard these elders talk about that this is the time we're in a time where it's changing. Yeah. And there's been many little you know people coming out of of fasts and lodges and saying these almost prophetic words that it's it's time it's the time it's a change is upon us. And I and once I heard enough of them they sort of Collided into this understanding. I'm like, ah, that's what I'm here to do. I'm part of this. Right. And yes, everything that comes out of my mouth, whether I'm writing a song or creating a, a, a story or a, a theater piece or a movie, it tends to come with healing and bringing people together. That seems to be what I want to share. Right. And so it's a positive um, uplifting of humanity, remembering who we are, which is caretakers of the earth, which is interconnected, which is children of the earth, and um, and that's what I'm, I want to be, I'm, I, that's what I'm here to do. So, yeah. with all of that, I realized, well, how do I now, if I know that's my centerpiece, what do I do with it? And that's when I developed my company called the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge because I thought, well, and it was all during COVID when it all crystallized. So right at the beginning, and I, I don't, I think I had plans for things to be in person and have this course here and this course, but yeah. because, because of COVID, because it became so much bigger and so much more wider, needed that m- more people found me in the, in the Zoom world sort of found me and i found them so i have some offerings and one of them is a new i think i mentioned it earlier a new moon circle which is free for anyone who wants to join it's on a new moon every month and we do a, a ritual to help us get in touch with our beautiful inner worlds so there's that i have um the honoring of the four sacred bodies um yeah, so and then the lead like a goddess and reclaiming the four goddesses and matriarchs yeah. and training. <laughs> so it all comes from this recognizing that all beings that have been trained under this Western model have devalued the feminine. Mm-hmm. And whether that's even as simple as not allowing ourselves to feel, not allowing yeah. ourselves to cry—that's devaluing the feminine. Okay. Um, being so busy in our masculine natures that we do, 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 and don't know how to stop doing. Right. The feminine nature is to sit, receive, listen, and okay. that in itself is revolutionary, right? Yeah. So all of those things. I, I can go from the minute to the wider picture but that's what i'm here to do is just to help people learn how to care for themselves and others um, by valuing the things that have been taken from them
0: i yeah, see what i think what i find so much uh, what i find so very interesting about this stuff because i'm i'm very much a science guy but i also love the spirituality of it. like i and i think they coexist Yeah. and uh uh, w- in one of our previous episodes we've spoken to a gentleman who talked about um, learning from you know, the, like our indigenous brothers and sisters about how to handle PTSD, and it's something that really really stuck with me uh, and they had an expression about combing the snakes from your hair, so they'd go to war and they'd come back home, and it was the combing the snakes from your hair, so like, allow them to go into a lodge, and basically get, sort out their demons before they're integrated back in to society, and I love that. Like, they're, I, I'm by no means an expert, but I'd love to. How do we how do we capture that and and help people in that way? And, and I think you're right. Going back to basics, going back to like that connected to how we are all connected together. We're connected to the earth. How do we get back to that simplistic way? Because we feel like we're advancing, and in many ways we are. Mm -hmm. But in some ways we almost need to look back to, like, ground ourselves again. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, in a way, what you, you know, you set an example about, I would, it's a a very complex topic, I love it. Yeah. But I would say that the one difference between the Western way of looking at the world and the Indigenous way of looking at the world, and there's many, but one for sure is is that we are... Spiritual beings having a human experience, so like you mentioned PTSD, things like PTSD or just everyday traumas that that affect, you know, Western mind would just say, oh, you got to... So if we if we slice our arm off, you know, or right, slice yeah. half our, we, we know to to fix and and sew it up, right. sew the wound of the physical. Yeah. But the indigenous way of knowing is is that that trauma to the body also caused trauma to the emotional body and the spiritual body and, and, and it, it, it has more of an effect than right. just the physical and so you tend to more than that so our medicine people were so much more they had two eyed vision as, as an elder once said um two eyed vision which means they're not seeing with only one eye, they're seeing with the whole picture. Yeah. And and I think the Western world is beginning to recognize that there is more than just that physical realm or the mental realm, yeah. you know, that, those are the two valued. The physical and the mental are very valued, but the other two, the spiritual and the emotional, which are live in the feminine world, are starting to be integrated. So that that's a huge difference, but one that's hopefully starting to meld.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think what we're seeing, at least from my experience, is we're seeing, um, you know, there's less focus clearly on like religion. Uh, and more focus on that spirituality. I feel. Um
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean I would say over uh, it seems that way. It
0: yeah. seems that way to it me. It seems that yeah. yeah, which I think is good. I think there's there's something like I, I think you know, most people feel like there's something greater than themselves and they, they, they kinda call to that or whatever right and i think we're all just kind of figuring it out as we go along right mm-hmm. um you know we we plan on talking to a lot of different people in this and you know there's some things that we're going to talk to people who we we may not necessarily agree with or we may agree with or whatever we may be skeptical of certain things but uh, i mean i find it all interesting and i think there's room for it all um you know so it, just learning and growing from each other and stuff i, I don't know and
1: searching for meaning Really, 100%. If, if that isn't if that isn't something that all human beings share, yeah. But after these difficult couple of years, you know, even more so. Like, think of the the cries that went out into the universe for understanding, for meaning, for help, for just think of how yeah. those those prayers are kind of co- coalescing together and allowing people to find each other that may never have been found.
0: Yeah. No. No. It's it's true, I and mean, uh, so the. I guess kind of, well, I guess kind of continuing on, too, because in, in terms of, like, building our relationships and things like that, um, you know, we, we just had Truth and Reconciliation Day, which, I uh, I think pretty much everybody thinks that this is a great day. It's, uh, I don't like to call it a holiday. Because,
1: yeah, I don't know. It's not a holiday. Because, it,
0: it, it, you know, it's not. Um, And there seems to be a whole bunch of confusion around it, but maybe that's just because we're in our early stages. I mean, we also have confusion around the fact in Nova Scotia that we have Heritage Day, which I love Heritage Day. I think it's so fantastic that Nova Scotia came up with a holiday to celebrate our heritage of different people. And every year, I have to correct people, it's not Family Day. It's not Family Day. Ontario, it's Family Day, it's Heritage Day here, and every year we celebrate a different, great Nova Scotian or group of Nova Scotians, right? So I love that, and so I think maybe it's just because we're in these early stages of this truth Truth and reconciliation that people, there's, there's a lot of confusion, you know, behind it of like, do I get the day off or not, kind of thing, right? Um, but I kind of yeah, so I struggle with calling it a holiday, but essentially for the lack of better term, we'll call it a holiday um, I, it, it's it's an interesting point, but like I guess from you I mean you're not you obviously don't speak on behalf of all indigenous people throughout our country, but um, where where do you think do, do you think this was a step in a positive direction? how do you feel it's going in terms of like coming around to you know? Being on the same page, like, I, yeah. How do you feel as an Indigenous person?
1: We have a long, long way to go. Um, during COVID, there was a mass awakening to racial injustice for the first time. I mean, people of color, Indigenous, Black, Asian communities—we've been, we have been screaming, you know. Mm. our hoof. You know, the political leaders of, you know, my the other generations before me—they have been. Screaming to be heard, pounding to be heard, and right. because there were no uh, seats at the table, it was just—it was like a, a little whisper in the wind right. to the rest of Canada. And I mean, all of our stories—we've—they've been with us for a long time. Truth and reconciliation, all of these things, we just—we just honestly thought all Canadians know they don't care.
0: Mm. So.
1: When we realized that the mass hypnosis, this lack of information that just permeated every Canadian, non-Indigenous person, we realized, um, oh, wow. So the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was huge in bringing the stories to the front. This was a a seven-year gathering uh, time where thousands of stories from residential school survivors were heard. Yeah. And uh, many Canadians discovered it. They could be a part of it. They could come and listen. But and they happened in almost all the major cities in the, in Canada. But but a lot of the times people just ignored it. Right. So this was a huge event, seven year event. And then the then the the whole the the big report was revealed, and then the ninety four calls to action. Yep. So all of this stuff was you know coming out and coming out. But. Um, it was because of that that awakening to racial injustice that happened during the isolation time that opened people and then the children were found the 215 graves the first first, now there's over 10,000 which we knew about but um, but uh, once it's like a global community finally went oh yeah, that's uh, what how come we didn't know this how come we didn't know this and all of a sudden People cared to find out. And Orange Shirt Day is on September 30th. And it starts as Orange Shirt Day because Phyllis Webstad, it's her story that was collected during the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where when she, her parents, scraped together and got money for an orange shirt, and when she was taken, when she went to residential school, they took it from her. And she never saw it again. So that was, like a heartbreak for her. Mm. So Orange Shirt Day was to honour her and that story of that one little girl that represented so many. So the the truth, like, so this day is not a holiday to me. It's not a day to celebrate. It's a day to mark. And I thought, like, a lot of Indigenous people thought that it would be a day of, of, of organizations and government actually spending time learning or honouring or... You know, education about yep. about the history with Indigenous people, Canadian policies and government yeah. treatment of Indigenous peoples. So a lot of people will never, ever care what it is. Right. That'll just be the truth of it. Of course. It. No, it's no, true. You know? And then some will go, I'm wearing an orange shirt, and then that's all they'll ever know. Right. And all they'll ever Chains care about. Change their
0: Facebook uh, picture. Yeah, right. Kind of thing, yeah.
1: And some will actually do the work. Yeah. And I and, and I would say more than ever more than ever there are people with true humility and and curiosity and that's the beauty the curiosity of, of finding out the truth and finding out how they have been complicit because human, every Canadian has been complicit yeah. to the suffering of indigenous people by by the ignorance of it and it's and it's time we all figure that out right
0: I, I, I couldn't I couldn't uh, yeah. agree with you more I mean like uh, you know when I mean, a lot of this started to kind of come out. I mean, I kind of, I mean, obviously it happened during my lifetime. Yep. 38 years old it happened during my lifetime and yep. I had no idea. No one, no one told me, no one, whatever, it's not in our history books, yep. nothing. Um, and I knew like about residential schools, but I didn't know about residential schools. Like it, it's one of those things. Right. Yep. Uh, and then obviously things started to come out and you're just kind of like, why, why wasn't I ever taught this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um and it's, uh, it kind of hammers home a little bit. I mean, like, my wife's Indigenous. Um, she, uh, her, her father, like, it just goes to show you how messed up, like, racism can be. Um, her father is, uh, obviously, would also be Indigenous. Um, and so it, what it was was uh, her grandfather, so his father, uh, was not Indigenous, uh, married an Indigenous woman and had four boys now my wife's father was the only one that looked indigenous and he got beat for it right so it's one of these things where it's like how messed up it can be where it's uh, uh, you know you marry an indigenous person you have kids with an indigenous person and yet you're derogatory and cruel towards them and, and the one boy that turned out to look indigenous right Um so it hammers home a little bit, a little bit more personal to me, uh, just because it's, it's my wife. And, and you see the effects that it happens on it, because like, my wife didn't grow up living in that community because uh, her father left home at a very young age because he was abused, right? Um, so he just was separated from all of that. I, I, he was just his own person and really didn't align with anybody. And my wife is kind of the same. She, she is her own person. She just aligns with who herself, that like kind of thing, right? She it, it doesn't have that kind of connection.
1: Community connection.
0: Yeah. And it, it, to me, I, I'm, I'm really big into it. Like, my last name's Conrad, um, so German is, is, you know, big... That's the, where the name comes from. Uh, I also know that I have on my grand, uh, on my mother's side, like maternal side, I have. Uh, there's Irish and there's French, and I love that idea, right? I love the knowing where I come from. I, I spent a month in Ireland when I was in my early 20s. Uh, I just love knowing that history, and that's what I want for my son, right? And I have a two-year-old son, and um, I want him to know not only about my side but about the side that his mother comes from, which would be the French and the Indigenous side as well. So, I'm trying to have a little bit more of an interactive like, you know, just trying to be a little bit more interactive. I can't wait to the point where he's at a point where he can um, learn more and really be more interactive. And uh, I know... uh, I know he's going to love the music and things like that. And like, I can't wait to expose him to some of that stuff as well. But just having him learn the culture and kind of know where he's comes from. The problem with it is though, is because of what happened, like my wife doesn't really know. She, she was told when she was younger, what, what, um, like her, her heritage, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. I guess, she was always told she was Apache, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense in, in coming from Quebec.
1: Um,
0: so it's, there's a huge disconnect there. So I feel a little bit bad in that sense, right? So I've actually been advocating that we should be taking, we should maybe try Ancestry.com, like both of us, and try to, I want to learn more about me, but she should learn more about herself and, and kind of explore that a little bit more, because then we can also kind of pass it down to my son. So,
1: But that's her journey, right? It is. It's a. Yeah. It's a... It's a painful. Uh, it's a painful thing within the community. So she's got to find her own way there. You know. She does. You know, your enthusiasm is one thing, but yeah. you know, <laughs> if you were in Germany and your parents were part of you know the Reich you know yeah. you might have a little harder time right so 100%. so you have to have patience and understand that it's a lot more complicated than just let's go to ancestry.com that's a that's a white man's way of... it is <laughs> right? uh-huh. like you know well, no, yeah. but honestly like it's, yeah, those aren't those aren't attached to the stories by the by the yeah. elders and the community and the community has everything to do with um, our uh, uh, you know, us finding our way home. So, yeah. if she doesn't have a community, you know, she's got to she's got to find her way there on her own.
0: A hundred percent. And I am. I will completely admit <laughs> that I am. Uh, you know, obviously white male, um, but on top of that, also have the mentality of like I'm Mr. Fix it <laughs> kind of thing. No,
1: that, yeah, I get it. Let's fix it,
0: kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I accept that and accept that it's not always the right way. <laughs> <laughs> but I,
1: I, but it's enthusiastic. I, I get that.
0: It is, uh, yeah. It's enthusiasm. It's uh, and and I think there is something. I mean, also, I think there's a there's something in me, a little bit that is calling for a certain spirituality and things yeah. like that. Like, I think I'm excited to explore things that I never really got a chance to know.
1: Well, you know what I say to a lot of non-indigenous people is is that your own heritage, like you said, you're being called. You know, all, all human beings were land-based people. Mm. At some point, yeah. So yes, it goes further back in in European countries, but it's there, it's there, and I think, you know, if you're wanting to return to spirit, return to the land, and you can guarantee that somewhere along your lineage, your ancestors were land-based people, and yeah. so to follow that route will hopefully bring you back to what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I've spent a good amount of time. Um, uh kind of looking into the the irish side of it uh as controversial as it may be uh, to some people i'm uh, i i've grown up being an anti-monarchist uh just simply due to the fact that my grandfather was uh proud of his like irish lineage and things like that so um, yeah, so there's a little bit of that kind of in me as well because I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, I'll, I'll be the first one to say it's time to leave the Commonwealth. Uh, you know, time to get get away with the certain things and let's move on mm-hmm. to other things. But some people don't like that. Um, so yeah, let back back to you personally, I guess. So um, I listened to still on topic, but you. So I listened to Silent No More. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. I liked the video too. Clearly, you recorded that in somewhere in very cold weather, though, because I could see your breath in some of it. It seemed like, but on a mark? I don't know more. I'm pretty sure I saw Probably. there was like there was times I could see your breath, really? and I was yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm paying way too much attention to the video. think <laughs> so? Yeah, but there oh. was times.
1: Oh no, it was raining on one of our marches. Okay, maybe yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, was a cold tape. day. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was filmed over different.
0: Over several yeah, yeah. times and everything, yeah. So, uh, but I like the song. It was, uh, it was, and I mean, you've won awards. Uh, like I think I read somewhere, it was like five awards for your songwriting.
1: No, more like 15.
0: Okay, 15. So, yeah, hey, I'm, so I'm downplaying
1: you. No. No, um, yeah. it was... Um, I, I, I have acting awards for about five. Anyway, okay. um, Silent No More came about because it was the, a song that I wrote for my TEDx talk.
0: Oh, there you go, yeah. And my
1: TEDx talk is called Silent No More. Yeah. Using Your Voice and Violence Against Women. Right. And um, I, I had a totally different song in mind at the end of it, but... Harry was getting like a, a month out, or no, two months, two and a half months out before the performance date, and I called my co-writer Robert Walsh and I said, "Robert, we need to write a song." <laughs> and I said, "Do you think we can do it? I know I can't get to you, but what do you think?" And I go, "I have, I have an idea." And I sent him the little thing, and he goes, "Okay." And we wrote it over Zoom and phone, and awesome. And we did get together to record it, and so "Silent No More." Basically, took my my talk and I capsulized it all into one. So that was the song at the end of my TEDx talk. Awesome, yeah. What was it like uh,
0: doing a TED talk? Like it, it's it's an interesting procedure, from my understanding. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. It's, You know, as an indigenous person, you know, doing a TEDx talk and being a member of the professional speaking industry, there's yeah. a there's a beautiful logical. Um, uh, Western way of doing things, and, yeah. it's, and it's brilliant. It's sharp. It's it's to the point. It's effective, and difficult <laughs> for an Indigenous woman. I had a hard time. Yeah. And but you know, it, it, it's a beautiful box that you have to fit in, and it's very very precise about what you need to do. And I wrote, I rewrote my talk about. 54 times but that's, that's nothing I've heard other people write, rewrote it 200 times so yeah. so re- rewriting it and trying to get it in this formula and what I discovered was it's so helpful in helping you helping you um, focus Yeah, you know it's like because the formula is so strategic you need to take this you know because there's any there's every way you can describe a subject but for me, I I I once I realized there was this formula that I went, but I'm Indigenous and I'm not meant to fit in it. And I'm right. also a performer. So it's like how do I how do I bring story into this? And so for me, the real magic of speaking happened when I took all the beautiful knowledge from my professional brothers and sisters in the speaking world and TEDx, and then I took the wisdom of my teachers from the Indigenous community. Who said, "You no, know, no, no! You don't write anything down. You speak from your heart." You know, yeah. so you have those two camps, and I brought them both together. So, to me, it was a really challenging, really challenging time, but incredibly rewarding because yeah. the subject matter was very difficult. I, I didn't go in choosing that I was going to talk about ending violence. Right. The topic chose me. In fact, I rewrote it, you know, 30 times trying to not let this topic be you know because i didn't want to talk about sexual violence who wants to that's the whole problem right of course but but here's the magic of it this is when i say the topic chose me because i started writing it and right around the time that my talk came out was the me too movement Mm. and i went you're kidding me so all of a sudden all these people with a platform were being asked to be truthful about their experiences, and here, here I was, yeah. also sharing my story without knowing that this movement was time for, you know, in the rise of the sacred feminine, the right. voices were rising, and yeah. I just, I just happened to be a part of it. So it's sort of one of those miracle moments that was difficult because during the writing of it, I mean, if you watch it, you'll 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 hear me talking about this lump in my throat, this burning lump in my throat and during the writing of it again 35 years later i got the lump in my throat again it's like i i received it came back viscerally so i could remember it and talk about it right and oh it was awful so it was like a great return (laughs) so i mean
0: yeah it's it's uh it's interesting what you say there about like you know the the struggle of being uh, someone who's indigenous and then like uh, uh I don't know for fitting back in and kind of fitting yourself into that uh, Western world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I guess that's and I mean and, and actually another note that I had too is was that you get to perform in front of royalty, which <laughs> also must have been a bit of a struggle. It been a bit of a struggle for me, and I'm not indigenous. I'm okay. just anti-monarchist because yeah. of what they did to the Irish. Yeah, but uh, so I mean, it, I guess. Um,
1: how do I do it? Yeah. How do you get there? Well, do you know I'm a Métis person. Yeah. And you know Métis people are mixed. Yeah. So we are we are First Nations and European. Right. And so we already have a different outlook. I mean, Indigenous people were treated very different. All three Indigenous peoples of Canada, yeah. Turtle Island, I mean, of Canada especially, were treated very differently from the government, by the government. And of course, you know, they systematically tried to erase and eradicate and and kill what's the word I'm looking for anyway uh, family ties mm, family ties they try to destroy family ties And, and by treating your brothers and sisters your relatives different than you is a great way to do that and taking children away and and moving moving like relocating whole communities and and you know so metis people we have been integrating the two cultures since we began as a people um Our but our and we take family very seriously family ties are very important um you know, because there's also a, a huge Christian al- element, uh, Catholic absolutely. element to yeah, indigenous, yeah. to Métis people, as yeah. well as this this ha- never having completely let go of land-based teachings, right? So, so Métis people have been doing that balancing act. And to me, when I really came into my own truth, my own uh, settled in my bones, was when I just went... Oh, when I made peace within me. Mm-hmm. And when, when you make peace within, then you can make peace without. And so for me, singing for the Queen or singing for, you know, when I lived in Saskatchewan, I was like, I called myself the Métis pin-up girl. So whenever celebrities or whenever dignitaries came to town, I was the one they called, hey, yeah, bring yeah. Andrea in to come sing. So, you yeah. know, so I was kind of used to that. Um, but um, yeah.
0: How does that feel? Well, to be the, like, you know, <laughs> do, you, do, do, do you do you feel used at all in that way? Though? No, no, because okay. I believe
1: my purpose, I know what my purpose is. Okay. I, I'm one of those people that I gave away my career very, very early on. Mm. I went, I'm not going to survive in this industry. And at the time, I, I think it was the music industry. Um, the music industry, acting, you know, film and television industry, all of it was is really quite toxic and mm-hmm. and the goal is what you're being sold is for fame and fortune right and ultimately that means nothing mm-hmm. indigenous people we care deeply about being of service to each other the spirit of reciprocity is that what yep. well, how can i be of service to my community and how can i uplift you know the community and mankind like and the world and all all species like how can yeah. i uplift or as my elder says how can i uplift creation I can lift it up or I can tear it down. And so for me, I gave over my career early because I'm like, okay, I can, yeah, I can see that I can sing and yeah, but it will kill me. Like I will, I will be destroyed in this place. So if, if I'm meant to be here, then, and that's my contribution as a human being to this world, then you've got to help me make sure I'm doing something that matters. I'm not doing this. Um, So I had this deal with Creator or the grandmothers, you know. like I had this fight going, I'm not doing this (laughs) unless it matters. So I really gave over my career very early. And and that was a survival mode. Um, And since then, I've actually truly had faith that everything that comes out of me and the things that I'm brought to and the places that I'm asked are of service. There is a reason I'm there, so um, I try not to make it about me, because yeah. then that's just a that's a slippery slope of hell, Fair enough. and it's not good enough. It's not good enough to be there for me. It's either got to be there for others, or I'm not interested.
0: Well, I mean, looking at your long resume, I mean, <laughs> you've you've you know giving that up and 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 uh, you know just kind of allowing whatever the universe to take you on the journey has brought you on an incredible journey and we have quite an impressive like I, I firm like anyone listening I uh, suggest you go and check our website out you're quite an impressive person
1: Aww, and
0: uh, <laughs> you know there's there's quite a bit so I was pretty excited to have a chat with you just simply based on that because I was like there's so much that we could talk about <laughs> the only thing is, is we try not to keep these too long yeah <laughs> um, I guess the one thing that I kind of want to leave because I mean we, we talked about uh you talked about a lot about your detail and your career and and uh and those things like where do you feel that we can go at, at you know as Canadians as First Nations as as treaty people
1: mm-hmm.
0: where do you think we need to go from here do you have an opinion at all of like how we can bridge that gap because I would love to live in a world where we can you know we, we see our strengths uh, it's funny, I was just talking about this last week how I my view of like a federal Canada like the Federation of Canada and how I, it's like I don't want to see necessarily like anyone leave because I feel that we all bring a certain balance and that we, we can contribute in ways that uh, make Canada, can make Canada a great place to live for everybody um, you know, I was a, a firm believer that, you know the, that first that first that we, we discovered the, those bodies and it was like it's okay to have a more somber Canada day because we we discovered something as a nation that may have been known to part of our nation for a long long time but as a nation it just be, it became like public like it became public knowledge and I my firm belief is that as a responsible canadian we would you know a responsible homeowner doesn't let a whole room fall to shit you know we, we you, you take care of your home where you live if you have pride of ownership then you want to make all aspects of your of your home good and and, and have that pride. and that's what i think for me it's like it's okay to criticize in our government for our past decisions to have that self-reflection of like, you know, maybe I have been, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't know, uh, due to my ignorance, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but just basically like, uh, I've allowed things to just kind of go by. And, I think it's, a, a proud Canadian should be paying attention to truth and reconciliation and should want to have all of our citizens in all of our places like our house should be in order i don't so where do we go from here i I mean because i'm a like i said white male coming from your point of view where do we go how do we bridge this and how do we get to a point where we're like good and yeah
1: well we have to recognize that it's not good. Right, exactly. like we just have to start with the truth. We've got to start there, and to recognize we got a long way to go. And you know, this idea of coming together does not mean sameness. We don't ever have to be the same, you know. And and we have to though come with a humility, like with humility, with a beautiful humble heart to each other, to ourselves. No, and maybe even better is. We have to come in a a humble heart to our ignorance. Yeah. That is a big, brave step, because if there's one thing that I've known that the colonial model does not like is admitting to ignorance. Yeah. (laughs) It is is not a a popular uh, state of being, is to admit our ignorance or humanity's ignorance. Yeah. So to admit that you come from a place of nothing... To, like, I know nothing. And and because I know, I've, I've come across many conversations where I've met all of my non-Indigenous white friends who felt they had to be experts in Indigenous wisdom and, and teachings and knowledge. And, and I went, we're the experts in right. that. Right, yeah. We're the experts. <laughs> you don't have to be the experts. Please don't try to be. Yeah. Because that just means you're going to exploit the knowledge and take it away and become experts. no. We are the experts. Just right. for once, come in a humble way to the experts and ask—not for—not for your forgiveness, not for—but to—to come to the knowledge that we've already sent out there. Because in the beginning, we'd be like, I don't, can't answer every question you have. But we've all like the the wisdom. The courses are out there. The books are out there. The movies are out there. The TV series are out there. The songs are out there. Right. The plays are out there. There's one coming up in Halifax. You know, there's, there's, like there's knowledge to be had. Right. And so, if if non-Indigenous Canadians come in a humble way, they can find the knowledge. They don't yeah. have to go to an Indigenous person and say, "Teach me," right. Because we we won't do it. We're done. We're right. done helping. We're, we're done helping non-Indigenous people find out. We've done the work. We don't want to keep re-traumatizing ourselves with the stories over and over and over. Right. Right? We're done. All of that's out there. You can now find it. But come in a humble way. And that's one way. So that's one way to help heal the rift um, mm-hmm. with Indigenous peoples. But to me, where we're really going to make the strides is when... If you think of all the traumas that European and people, settlers came to this land, how traumatized they were, mm. because of the colonizations that happened on their lands, they brought that here, and they it's unhealed. All of that yeah. trauma, all of that wounding has been passed through those lineages without ever... I just ran away from it because it was so awful. Well, they brought it here and not yeah. knowing that unfinished... You know, healing doesn't work that way. Trauma doesn't work that way. It pa- it gets passed down. Yep. Um, trauma gets passed down. So my invitation is for you, when you talked about your lineages, yeah. is to go... And to me, this is a spiritual way of doing it. But there's also, you know, for the logical brain, like you said, I'm a white male who's <laughs> like, that, I'm going to fix it. Yep. So if a logical... You know, there is... There's an, a, a logical way you can go back and look. You know, I'm sure there's books and there's there's yeah. lineages and there's, you know, ancestry. What you call it? Yeah. <laughs> but there's stories in your lineage that you yourself can heal. You can go back and say it ends here. Yeah. Because I'm willing to look at the trauma that happened to my ancestors that I am somehow being a part of. Either it's my complicitness. Or complacency, my ignorance, my willful blindness, my violence—whatever it is that is—is is within us. And I've had to do the same. I'm a—I'm a, I'm a half breed too, so I've got—I've got lots of European blood that I've had to do the same work, you right. know. And I've got uh, ancestors on both sides that need some cleaning house, so. Yeah. It's it might be a little bit more mysterious, but to me that is where the real work happens. So when a person decides and says it stops with me, they will be amazed at the journey that unfolds in front of them of how to do that. And it might be therapy. It might be it might be talking to ancestors. It might be. It might be all of those things that maybe were not available to you or you were not interested in before but if you say it stops with me right. I am not going to perpetuate this colonial model this colonial mindset anymore I'm going to decolonize so that my family never has to perpetuate this yeah. you will be amazed at what unfolds in front of you
0: Yeah, break the cycle yeah. Yeah, and it does and it
1: requires you taking in your like taking your ancestors into account
0: Yeah cuz I think a lot of people and you, like whether they realize it or not there was a lot of uh, ugly history here
1: oh yeah locked oh yeah
0: on all on all fronts um, you know there was some you know obviously it was it was a uh, uh, people came here to colonize uh, first the French and you know and then the English got involved and there was wars and all this stuff that happened Um but it created a lot of ugliness, and there's, uh, yeah, it's. You're right. There's, there's trauma within this country. But on the, on the, on the, the I guess the, the, side of it, because people came to this country, and I'm talking like fifteen thousand years ago. People had to travel through, you know, based on what we see. Uh, the, the first nations people that came here traveled across some, some yeah
1: it's not the stories
0: really that's, okay yeah. okay well okay we're not going
1: there we're not going there okay all right today. <laughs> you know because there's something but, you that's, see, but like, do you see how you went that's a very yeah. scientific way of looking at it, it is. so it's truth it's yeah. not true. that's one way
0: okay our was, creation
1: stories are very different
0: well this is the yeah see I would love to learn a lot more like yeah because like, this thing is like you see like you know more recently reports like yeah 15,000 years ago they came across Bering Strait and all this some, stuff right
1: some so people. yeah
0: interesting okay yeah
1: and those stories are very different there's some yeah. who can tell you you go up north and you can hear some of the stories you go down south you'll hear different stories you yeah. go to the middle you'll have very different all across Turtle Island you'll hear different stories
0: awesome yeah Yeah. so, yeah, so I'm very uh, very interested to hear more and uh it uh yeah like i i we do have to kind of wrap us up <laughs> i know i'm it, like
1: we're not going there today we're
0: not going there i guess yeah <laughs> but it could definitely be a part two i guess uh, at some point in time because it would be i would be i'm fascinated to learn more um so with that i guess um i'll thank you very much for coming here and and uh you know sharing your time and your knowledge with me and with anyone who's listening um and yeah, you're welcome back anytime because I feel like I have a lot more to go through and everything. But um, yeah, thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Thanks no, thank you for having
1: me. It's been a deep and juicy conversation.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody. Oh, oh, also, last thing here just do a shout out. Uh, we're at the, uh, the, the Brownhound uh, Pub in Halifax. Uh, thank you very much for hosting us. It's filled up quite a bit. Since we started getting here. So it's gotten a little bit louder, but thank you very much uh, for hosting us. All right, cheers, everybody.